0: Hello? God fucking damn it. I answered that like a phone call. Hello? <laughs> this is Jacqueline Kidsman. This is The Awakened Tarot Podcast. And uh, hi, how are you? Um, don't hang up on me. So I want to jump in immediately into housekeeping first. I got a very kind message from somebody um, on Instagram. Their name is, well, their tarot Instagram is, I don't actually know their their name, but Galileo Mirror Tarot, just very kindly letting me know that some of the confusion that about a piece of information that was confusing in last week's episode where I did the biography of Pamela Coleman Smith, um, I referred to Arthur Edward Waite as Arthur Ryder Waite and Uh, They very kindly pointed out to me that that is confusing because Arthur Edward Waite is Arthur's name. Edward is his middle name. Not writer. Writer is the original publishing house. And I just, I I I know Arthur Edward Waite's name. I just was reading through my notes as I was going, and I had put A R W um, as my like as like an abbreviation in my in my notes, and that's on me. That was absolutely very confusing, and was the wrong piece of information. So I very much appreciate Galileo Mirtero reaching out to me to let me know that was confusing and wrong and it has been corrected. And I very much appreciate that. Please know that if I get a piece of information wrong, literally ever, let me know. I'm here for constructive criticism, especially when it is worded kindly. I'm here for any criticism, as long as it's worded kindly. Um, even if you're just telling me for the 49th time that you really hate the current events section, I hear you, I hear you, but um, it's also not going anywhere. But I, but I do very much appreciate hearing from people and hearing about what they want to hear and what they want to listen to and all of that. So Especially if I've gotten a piece of information wrong. Thank you. Moving on to current events, you know we have a lot of stuff that's happening um, across the board. Uh, we've talked about Russia pulling out of the Black Sea Grain deal, that treaty, this isn't just like, oh man, they have to pay more for like bread. This is like people are going to starve and die. Um, Will we feel the effects of it here in the U.S.? Possibly for a little bit as farmers here catch up, but we do have enough farmland and farmers for the people here. But that doesn't mean that it's not actively affecting lives of other people on other parts of the world. Please keep your eyes there. Keep your hearts there. If you have the ability to donate money to any organizations that are Feeding people in, you know, war-torn Ukraine or in Africa who really depend on really depend on grain from Ukraine, which is known as the breadbasket of the world. We have, of course, as always, rampant anti plus laws happening in the U.S. that we need to be paying attention to. Specifically in Nashville, this is, I guess, a nice segue into that. We just had a early voting ended yesterday for our mayoral and city council election. And there are like eight people on the ballot, the majority of which were, I believe, Democrat. There were like maybe like between like three and four con- Republican candidates. Um, and... As as you know, you're looking through some of these candidates, you you know, there's some of them that are supporting like mass transit, which would very much help people fucking vote um, because they would have access to like get across Nashville, you know, stuff like that. And so you want to look for candidates that are doing things like looking at making housing more affordable, looking at, you know, supporting a mass transit system so that it's m- much easier for people to get to work or get jobs or unless you're like, in a position where you're 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 living closer to the poverty line you don't understand how like one like thing with your car can affect your life as a whole so like if your car breaks down you can't get to work you're only one bad financial disaster away from like losing everything if you live in Nashville and you're still planning on getting out to vote on election day, uh, but you don't know who to vote for and you don't even know where to start looking or how to even find people's platform, reach out to me. I'll I'll break it down. I did all this research and I'm more than happy to share it with anybody who also would like that. Okay, moving into what I'm doing with this week's episode. This week, we're talking about the tarot as a whole with an emphasis on the major arcana. And then I'm going to go through and talk about one card from the major arcana that I think we need to cover first before we kind of tackle the rest of it. Um, And this will also give us a good taste with how I'm going to tackle moving on to individual cards throughout the rest of this season, um, which will last a very long time. So (laughs) what I'm going to do, and a lot of people will be like rejoicing, I will be doing all of the cards in order. So from here on out, we're going to take, we're going to break down the tarot. I'm going to talk briefly about the major arcana versus the minor arcana. We're going to break down the lines in the major arcana, just like vaguely. I'm going to talk about the fool. And then in the coming weeks, I'm going to break down the lifeline, tell the story of it. And then I'm going to break down the... Death line. Tell the story. Break down the rebirth line. Tell the story of those. And then I'm going to go through each card individually, and like you'll see what I do with the Fool today. I'm going to break down their original meaning, like what the original meaning in the um, Rider Waite Smith deck had, and versus like how I read them now, how it's changed for me now, and how some of those things have evolved since the time that the deck was created. And we are also going to talk about the imagery on, you know, imagery on the card, all of the stuff that you're somewhat familiar with from you know, the previous seasons of the podcast, but this way it'll be more in order. You'll know what's coming next. Um, and that way, like this will be more of like, rather than just having like a conversational chat with you, like I did the first two seasons, this will be much more like straightforward information. Okie dokie. So for those who are new to tarot and those who are seasoned, you already know that the tarot deck as a whole is made up of two parts. You've got the Major Arcana, which is the first 22 cards, and you've got the Minor Arcana, which is, I'm bad at math, but 56 or 55, something of the other cards. The Major Arcana is broken down into there, its cards 0 through 21, which is the world, and when you're making the life, death, and the rebirth lines of the Major Arcana, you pull the Fool out and you set it aside because the Fool represents you and the Fool's journey through the tarot as a whole. So the Fool represents your primordial energy, your soul, as it bounces through all of the cards in the tarot. Now, the thing that's special about the Major Arcana is that the Major Arcana is archetypes. It's big archetypal energy. It's that energy. It's like source energy, that energy we pray to. When we're in the Major Arcana, we're looking up at like gods, right? Like not literally, but it's that big energy above us. Whereas in the Minor Arcana, which is broken up into four suits, and in season two, I broke down the thematics of each suit. You can go find that. And I'll, of course, go through it again as we're moving through the story of, um, the suits as well, because I'll do that. Um, tell the story of each of the suits and then break down the cards individually after. This would be a very, very long season three, you guys. <laughs> but after all, but seriously, after we're done with all of it, it'll basically be like a giant masterclass on tarot that people can go back to and have those references for. And I'm very excited about doing that and having that done for everybody. And I don't know what we'll go. For, I don't know what we'll do from there, but we'll see. Um So the minor arcana is broken up into four suits, similar to a deck of cards. And that's the suit of wands, suit of cups, suit of swords, and the suit of pentacles. And the minor arcana is us. It's our little human lives. It's the micro, it's, you know, it's us like, and how we interact with the major arcana. It's us in the world versus the the major arcana, which is like all the energy above us. So let's now focus our scope inward on the major arcana. I said that. Um, There are three lines in the major arcana, and they each one represents like a different theme, right? So the first seven cards, magician, high priestess, empress, emperor, hierophant, lovers, and chariot, that's the lifeline. The death line is eight through 13, or excuse me, 14, and that is Strength, the Hermit, Wheel of Fortune, Justice, the Hanged Man, Death, and Temperance, And then there's the Rebirth line, and that's card 15 through 21. And that is the Devil, the Tower, the Star, the Moon, the Sun, Judgment, and the World. Now, beyond just these lines, we have what are like in the, in the columns, right? And we have what are called the Triads. And I actually have workbooks and all of this. They're currently posted to Patreon. But as we kind of go through and I break down the Major Arcana, we're also going to be talking about... The um, each uh, each of the triads as well and what they mean in the in the research I've done personally. Again, this is just me personally and how I taught myself. There are a thousand readers out there who are gonna have different thoughts, so please take what resonates and dump what doesn't. I'm in no way trying to tell you that I am the end all be all of tarot information. I'm just giving you how I learned and what I think about these things. Okay. So I'm going to break down and I have spreads on each individual card as well as the triads. And um, so I'm very hoping that by the time this is done, that we'll have like a really nice comprehensive overview. But the triads are the Magician, Strength, the Devil, High Priestess, Hermit, Tower, Empress, Wheel of Fortune, the Star, the Emperor, Justice, the Moon, the Hierophant, the Hanged Man, the Sun, the Lovers, Death, Judgment. And then the chariot temperance and the world. So those are the triads. Um, And again, we'll kind of break down into what that means in in a couple episodes from now. Okay, so now that you have those cards set aside and you've got your line set up and you're looking at them, you're essentially looking at the beginning of the fool's journey through these archetypes. Each card in the major arcana, it resembles some sort of archetype. One of the things that I find really interesting, and I studied sociology um, in college, was that you you have different civilizations, right? So you have the ancient Sumerians, the ancient Mesopotamians, the um, indigenous peoples of the Americas. You've got the ancient Chinese, the ancient Egyptians, ancient Greeks and Romans, and they all have this setup of their of their gods and their beliefs and their religions right and a lot of them are polytheistic and what we found is that across different ancient civilizations you have and all of their gods have different names but there are the gods of fertility gods of war gods of death gods of the afterlife gods of magic and they all have different names but these archetypes all hold true so you have like, and some of them, yes, of course, like will kind of blend in together or as like, you know, societies move, like you have the ancient Egyptian, you know, that especially as they kind of during the Ptolemaic era, uh, like woven some of that Grecian mythology, you see gods and archetypes kind of mush together or become different things. And all of that is true as well. But the point of this being that ancient civilizations and ancient peoples all come together specifically in polytheistic cultures. And they have broken down these archetypes. And I'm not saying that each card in the Major Arcana relates to a specific deity, but though some people view it that way, and that's that's great. Um, but, I'm also, but what I'm saying is that like each card in the Major Arcana is some sort of archetype. And it relates so well to humans in general, because we as humans are kind of like evolutionarily and biologically programmed to think of the world in archetypes. Um, And that's an incredibly fascinating little tidbit of information on a course I took way too many years ago because I'm almost 30. Not that there's anything wrong with being 30, flirty, and thriving. I'm very excited. Kind of. Anyway, so from there, that's the major arcana. And I'm going to, like I said, dive more into that. But what I want to do right now is I want to pull out the Fool because we've just talked about the major arcana, what cards are in those lines, what the triads are, and now let's kind of break down the Fool. The Fool is card zero in a part of the major arcana. But the Fool is our primordial, like, soul or energy, that thing that can't be created or destroyed, the thing that kind of like reincarnates all of the time. Like, it takes us through life, it takes us through death, and it's going to take us through rebirth and then back into life because everything's a spiral. The Fool is the thing we can't shake, it's that primitive, intrinsic instinctual part of ourselves that pushes us forward and does things that we're like, what the fuck? But, you know, it's, it's this, um, there's kind of the psychological idea with, uh, when babies are born that they're, it's called tabula rasa in psychology, um, which is just a simply, just essentially means like, oh, they're a blank slate. Um, they're, you pack them full of things. So when you're looking at the fool, they've got this like sack. And the idea of the fool is that as they move through, each of the archetypes in each card in the tarot, they're adding things, they're adding information, they're adding to themselves. So what I want to do right now is I want to break down the, because Arthur Edward, wait, had a um, really big, he had a very strong hand in the creating of these symbols um, and of the major arcana as a whole, whereas Pamela Coleman Smith kind of had like the run of the minor arcana. What I'm going to do is I've got a book. It's called The Pictorial Key to the Tarot by Arthur Edward Waite. And basically what it does is it just breaks down his ideas about the imagery and the symbols of the card. You're going to find that it's kind of vague. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read that and then I'm going to read the original definition of the card here. Um, That's from an app that I've got on my phone, which is literally just the Smith Rider Waite app. Um, it, uh, it's kind of cool because it's like very digital. You can read tarot on your phone, um, if that's something that you align with, but it also has like your ability to enter external readings so that you can have them on the go. If you don't have like access to like a big journal, it's also got like each card and you can like explore the tarot and pull up each card and kind of like see, like an upright meaning or reversed meaning. Um, And I'll kind of talk about my views on reversals and uprights as I move through each card as well. But let's start with the pictorial key to the tarot. Um, I've opened it up to, please open your pictorial Bibles with me to page 152, uh, card zero, the fool. So here is what Arthur Edward Waite had to say about the imagery on this card. With light step, as if earth and its trammels had little power to restrain him, a young man in gorgeous vestments pauses at the brink of a precipice among the great heights of the world. He surveys the blue distance before him, its expansive sky, rather than the prospect below. His act of eager walking is still indicated, though he is stationary at the given moment. His dog is still bounding. The edge which opens on the depth has no terror. It is as if angels were waiting to uphold him if it came about that he leapt from the height. His countenance is full of intelligence and expectant dream. He has a rose in one hand and in the other a costly wand from which depends over his right shoulder a wallet curiously embroidered. He is a prince of the other world on his travels through this one, all amidst the morning glory in the keen air. The sun which shines behind. Turn the page. Okay. The funny thing about this book is that if you turn a page on the other side, it's literally just like a little asterisk and then you have to go to like, so like mid sentence 154 is just like a little symbol. And then you go to 155 and it continues. So again, the sun, which shines behind him knows whence he came, whither he is going and how he will return by another path after many days. He is the spirit in search of experience Many symbols of the instituted mysteries are summarized in this card, which reverses under high warrants all the confusions that have preceded it. In his Manual of Cartomancy, Grant Orient has a curious suggestion of the office of mystic fool as a part of his process in higher divination, but it might call for more than ordinary gifts to put into operation. We shall see how the card fares according to the common arts of fortune-telling, and it will be an example to those who can discern of the fact otherwise so evident that the Trumps major had no place originally in the arts of psychic gambling when cards are used as the counters and pretexts. Of the circumstances under which this art arose, we know, however, very little. The conventional explanations say that the fool signifies the flesh, sensitive life, and by a peculiar satire, its subsidiary name was at one time the alchemist as depicting folly as the most ins- insensate stage. Insensate? Insensate stage. Sure. Okay. That's all that says there. So that's what we, that's what Arthur Wait, Arthur Edward Waite had to say about the fool. This is its original definition, and then we're going to get into my ADHD riddle brain's thoughts on this card. So, upright, the fool would mean folly, mania, extravagance, intoxication, delirium, frenzy, and berraiment. Reversed, negligence, absence, distribution, carelessness, apathy, nullity, and vanity. Okay. So, here's the thing can the fool mean naivety and impulsivity and like acts of grandeur. Yes. What essentially that very long and lyrical passage in this book was doing was kind of breaking down what the symbols are. It doesn't really tell you what it means. It just more or less kind of tells you what Arthur had in mind when creating this card um so you've got the fool they're standing by this cliff there's a dog next to them and uh the fool is holding a little like a white rose which is completely you know pure and unblemished and then they're holding this you know in the pictorial key it calls it a wand which is kind of cool but essentially it's like a rucksack i wish i can't can't remember the name for it um over their shoulder and they're looking up at the sky not at their feet and they're like right next to a cliff um So first and foremost, yes, this card is supposed to depict just like the innocence of having no idea what failure is. Like this, this person thinks that they'll walk off this cliff and keep going. They don't have an understanding of what falling is. They don't have an understanding of what pain or death or failing is. They don't have that because they've not experienced it yet. So the fool is kind of this conglomeration of natural consequences, like they're learning as they go. It's this very like kind of like Joker type archetype, puckish archetype of like coming across as ditzy, but really more than that, just kind of being innocent and hopeful and full of life. And they're not looking at their feet because they have no they don't know what tripping is. You know, you've got the fool, which is this wide eyed, intrinsic, soulful human next to this dog, which is domesticated. So you've got basic instincts, which is the fool versus domestication. And kind of like what we're looking at here is this interplay between what we would do if we didn't know what consequences were versus how our fear and our domesticated qualities kind of hold us back from things. So like, I, if I didn't understand what pain was, if I'd never fallen before, if I didn't understand, would probably jump off of a very tall cliff into water, just thinking that the water wasn't going to hurt me when I jumped. But because I have been on, because I have fallen before, because I have literally fallen out of a tree, we'll story for a different time. Like I know what falling feels like. And that scares me. I've dropped an egg from a rooftop in seventh grade science and watched it crack. I've made the connections that if I throw myself off of a roof, I'm probably going to crack. Like you make those connections, you learn those natural consequences. And and so then as you move through in the full, you start collecting these life lessons. But the idea is rather than giving away all of your naivety and hopefulness and soulfulness and your ability to try new things and experiment, uh, keeping a little bit of that preserved, because yes, like natural consequences are an important thing. Learning what's going to hurt us is an important thing. Understanding that so we don't make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again is important. But what happens is like, you know, a really good example of this is like falling in love, right? You know, they're going to be like, you're going to fall in love and get your heart broken. You're going to fall in love and break somebody's heart. You're going to fall in love again and it's going to end and you're going to be devastated, And so then there will come a time where you meet somebody and they seem like a really good idea and you're really invested and you really like them. But is it worth it? And this is when you need to come back to that idea of the fool of that over eager, ambitious, soulful archetype that says, yeah, why not fall again? Because the reality is that every relationship you ever enter will fail until it doesn't. That's the nature of dating. That's the nature of relationships, is that they will all fail until they don't. One thing you can guarantee is if you don't try, it will fail. That's the only guarantee here. So that's kind of the energy of the fool. It's that really beautiful, hopeful quality that humans have and just can't seem to fucking shake. And that's why it's card zero, because we go through and we embody the magician, embody the high priestess, embody the empress. We learn from these archetypes. We learn from becoming these things. We learn about all of their successes. We learn about their failures. We learn about what worked, what didn't, and then we we do it again. It's kind of like in a video game, right? We're like a really good example is I was watching Gabe play Breath of the Wild this morning and he kept going up to try to do something and fucking failing. And then he went to go do it again and he fucking failed. And then he went to do it again. And guess what? He failed again. And then he just kept doing it. And then I was like, do you want help? And he said, no, I don't want help. I said, okay. And so then eventually he failed enough times that he was like, okay, I've got it figured out now. And then he did it he had enough of his own life experiences and enough he he failed enough times to be like successful. And we tend to view failure and we tend to view endings as kind of like this failure on some level or fuck, like I fucked it up or I destroyed that or I'm not good enough or whatever else. But like the reality is, is that that you ace something on the first try and then you try to go do it again. And you fail, you're going to be really fucking confused because you, you didn't, you know, you got lucky the first time. You know, that's that whole beginner's luck type thing, right? Like the failing is the learning. It's the part of the process you can't escape from. And so when I read The Fool, when I have this come up for me in a reading, I always look at it a couple different ways. Now, I do read with reversals and I don't read reversals as like opposite of or uh no or anything like that like can it mean that sometimes yes reversals really often require like a lot of intuition so don't get like freaked out by them often they're just kind of trying to like tell us like look at the card but go a little deeper go a little farther look at it from a different angle and that's all a reversal means Does that mean sometimes it's going to mean no? Yes. But does that mean that it's going to mean no every single time? Absolutely not. There are a lot of other cards in the tarot that could communicate a no better than one single card in reverse ever could. So when I pull the fool in a reading, what, what do, what do I do? What do I say for myself and for others? I try to encourage or talk through this idea of what are you trying to embody right now? And what are you either not paying attention to or what what's keeping you from moving forward so it's it's one of those two things you know you've got this rose in the fool's hand and this is a pure white rose it's not wilted this is a blank canvas so sometimes I sometimes I pull this card and I'm like hey like all of those things that you're worried about from past experiences it's a clean slate it's a clean slate but you get to keep all the wisdom Sometimes it's a reading where, you know, it's, it's trying to say, Hey, like you're being overly cautious and you have a lot of reasons to feel that way, but now is not the time to be cautious. Now is the time to jump. Um, sometimes it's the reverse of that. Sometimes it's, Hey, like you're going at this really like flimsily with no real plan. And what I need you to do right now is look at your feet. Um, a really good of example of that is looking at a toddler, right? And, you know, there's kind of this thing in like some parenting psychology where rather than telling your child to be careful, because they don't really know what being careful means, they're like doing what's natural to their bodies and like climbing and exploring their surroundings. Um, what I try to tell Evie when she's doing something that I think she needs to be careful doing, I kind of say, hey, look at your surroundings, look at your feet, pay attention to your feet. Um, and like sometimes that's how this card comes up pay attention to your feet. Where are you going? What's the plan? Your head's in the sky, your head's in the clouds. Let's pull it back down. How do you know the difference between how to read that card? A lot of it is intuition. A lot of it is looking at the context of the situation. Um, I think sometimes people get really hung up on like, the cards meeting versus like what advice you would give a friend in like everyday conversation. And a lot of times you can read tarot for a person without even pulling a card. And that's because tarot is so much more often just a mirror unto the self than it is like, like, like this mist and it is mystical, but like we, we take for granted the intuition of a solid conversation of just giving a little bit of advice. So if I got the fool and I'm talking to somebody and they're like, I don't know, like, I just like really want to jump into this relationship, but you know, like they're not a very good texter and I don't really know. And like, I don't even need this fucking card to show up to be like, dude, if they haven't texted you back for two days, they're not that into you. Maybe let's look at our feet here and and and, and re-examine the natural consequences. Or if they're talking to me and they're like, I just really, really like this person and I just want to know, like they seem like they're great, they text, they're talking to me, but I'm just really afraid That's when I'm like, okay, here's what this means. So a lot of it is conversational context. A lot of it is not being afraid to talk to the person you're talking to, like about the two meanings of a card, you know, saying it could, you know, like, here's how this card comes up in the situation. It could mean this, or it could mean this. How does that resonate with you? Um, Some of it is looking at the other cards that you pull along with it and kind of like looking at the story they're telling so a lot of intuition does go with tarot but and 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 doing a reading but be conversational about it first feel out the room because you could be talking to a friend have no card have that exact conversation about a relationship or a job or about moving or about getting a dog or about you know investing in something like getting a new car basically just talking through their apprehensions versus what they're hopeful about, and you're literally in fool territory. That is the fool. It's your basic conversations. It's your basic decision-making. It's your basic how much, you know, where hope and naivety and, and faith meets natural consequences and planning and boundaries. And it's on that ledge between the two. And that's so important. It's instinct versus domestication and and where they meet so when you pull the fool in a reading talk about those two angles consider them consider them for yourself what am I excited and hopeful about what am I afraid of what are my experiences prior in this situation how do those how how does what happened before differ from now if I don't do this will I regret it forever if I don't do this will I not really care That's the fool territory. It's teetering on the edge of that cliff where instinct and gut intuition meets domesticated thought and purpose. And it's kind of like up to, I I mean, like the answer is people are going to be like, well, how do you, how would you read that? And the answer is all the time, it's going to change. It's going to change for you. It's not going to be the same person to person. But if you're asking me to write down what I think the fool is, it's that. Now, I happen to have pulled up, I once once upon a time ago, I wrote a workbook. Again, like I said, it's on my Patreon, but I'm going to read what I wrote about The Fool right now, and then I'm going to give you a, basically, a, a spread. So, I'll I'll read it slow, and then you guys can pull these for yourself, and the intent at the time, and of course, I wrote this all the way back in like 2018, I think maybe 2019. Um, it was definitely before I got married. So, you know, some things are going to change with it and I'll let you know what that is, but I designed these to be esoteric. I designed them and the, and the tarot questions and the spread that I made to help us learn more about how we embody the fool currently. You can always come back to this and re-pull the cards. I meant for this to be an evolving relationship with this energy and this archetype. So I'll read you what I wrote, and then I'll read you the questions, the tarot spread I created for it, okay? In an esoteric sense, the fool is considered the soul. The fool is tabula rasa, a blank slate of excitement, blessed ignorance, and eagerness. The fool is almost joyous as they begin their journey. They don't know what to expect except expectation. They are jumpers, leapers, and careless laughter. We can compare the fool to a baby in utero. Once they feel ready without knowledge of what is to come, they leap, or rather push themselves out into the world where they find that they have a body and a physical way of utilizing the elements and tools surrounding them. They are now magicians. This is the spread that I wrote for the fool. And I'll read it slowly. What journey are you being asked to dive into? What does the essence of exploration look like for you? What keeps you from leaping? What energy can you embrace to help you explore your journey more in depth? And with all of that information, that is my, uh, that's episode one of really breaking down the tarot. I hope you enjoyed that it is of course now the collective get out of my coffee you fruit fly excuse me for yelling um listen we have a minor flute flies flute fly fruit fly situation happening in my household right now and i'm incredibly unhappy about it also this episode is long as fuck and gabe is gonna like take a torch to it later i am pulling a card for the collective reading gabe you need to like make a song out of this like just like a collective reading intro please and thank you hey It's the Six of Cups. This is the energy that we're moving into for the coming week. This is a card. Sixes are a heart-based number, and this is a card that's filled with nostalgia, childlike wonder and love, having that inner child. It can, you know, it can bring up things like for people who suffer from CPTSD, this card can come up for you. Um... For people that have like really wonderful childhoods, this card can come up. For people that just need to get in touch with their inner child, this is a card that can come up. So for the next week, you know, I kind of have this thing that I do and I have to do this because I went to therapy for CPTSD, but I have this thing that I do where I don't actually have a mom. I am a mom. And so sometimes when I'm in like a really tough spot emotionally or, or, or situationally, And where I could have used advice from a mom, I kind of like picture myself talking to my inner child and I put my hands on their shoulders and I just kind of like picture myself mothering them for a second. It's not like me talking to them. It's more just like me kind of holding their shoulders and being like, I see you and I hear you and saying all of the things that I would say to my daughter, but I'm saying it to me um essentially have a lot of compassion for yourself have a have compassion for yourself this coming week if you're feeling really down on yourself if you're feeling like things are really hard if you're feeling like you just wish that somebody could come take your hand and tell you how to do this situation close your eyes ground yourself in and just pack just pack picture if you had like an amazing parent like amazing do this with them and just imagine them putting their hands on your shoulders and just kind of being like you've got this um it helps me a lot it helps me kind of calm down it's a really great meditative practice and it kind of like lets me kind of get back into like the healthy place with my inner child where like i can see things much more um magically almost I have a lot more compassion there, a lot more empathy. I'm not so jaded when it comes to certain things. And it's like a nice little breath of fresh air, almost like giving myself like a little, giving myself a flower. Just like a little reminder that there are beautiful things. And I think kind of like the essence, I guess, for what I'm saying is I always get there to the little tagline. There are beautiful things. And just kind of keep that in your pocket this coming week, especially if it's a hellish week for you. OK, with that being in mind, um, with that being in mind is not even a phrase that makes sense. With that in mind, this is the end of the episode. If you liked it, if you like this podcast, rate, subscribe and review. Once we reach 300 um, reviews, you know, b- between Spotify and Apple, Gabe and I are going to have a pie war. I think we're about 50 reviews away from me being, being able to shove more pie in my husband's beard, which I love doing a lot. So let that happen for me, please. Um, If you have any uh, comments, questions, concerns in regards to voting in Nashville, please reach out to me. I'll share my research with you. More than happy to do so. Um, Otherwise, goodbye.